Welcome back to the Rockcast, everyone. Brought to you by Onyx Hunt Maps. Jordan here. And uh, we're going to do another throwback episode. This is all the way back. This was basically, I think it was episode two, but uh, it was technically the first episode of content that we uh, we recorded. So this is with Matt Cashel. We're talking about optics. And uh, that was a couple years ago. So a lot of things have changed in optics um, since then. Well, not a lot of things, but some things. So um, a lot of, I mean, everything that Matt says in here is still super true. He might not be using the exact same binoculars that he was when we recorded this, but uh, you can catch up on the latest Rockslide optic reviews if you go to rockslide.com on the right hand side up in the or the toolbar up in the toolbar you will find a drop down menu that says gear and then if you go to the left side of it and scroll down you'll find optics and that will bring you to the um, optics like uh, center page for all optic reviews. So we've, uh, you know, as far as binocular spotting scopes go, we have the Swarovski NL Pure versus the Swarovski EL Range TAs. A couple of binoculars out there. Uh, the Maven B6 12 by 50 binocular. We have a, a Kawa eyepiece review from Darren Cooper. There's the Vortex Razor UHD versus the Swarovski SLC review. We've got the Zeiss Victory SF32 binoculars, the 10x42 Vortex Fury HDs, which that was a review by Matt, is the, the HDs. There's another uh, Fury HD 5000 AB review that Travis Bertrand did. Um, what else do we got here? We've got the, uh, the BTX from Swarovski that Robbie reviewed. So... Um, yeah, with that, I want to talk a little bit about what I am using now. Um, I've been working with Sig Sauer personally for the last couple of years. So I'm running a lot of their optics, trying to help them come up with new stuff and make them better and all the things. So um, my experience kind of comes from those. But a new set out by them, I think that are going to be... Um, people have really been liking them so far, is the uh, the 10K their range-finding binocular, their new range-finding binocular, um, has applied ballistics internally and has uh, sensors for your uh, atmospheric conditions. So it'll make those changes like um, the temperature pressure and, uh, gosh, temperature pressure and humidity. Shoot, I just like had blanked on that for a sec. Um, take those three things into consideration for you on the unit so you don't have to manually um, input those anymore and it'll kick a solution out for you. Um, so those are a couple of new ones. Um, probably from SIG, my favorite pair of binoculars are the Zulu 9s. Um, I've been using the 11x45s for a long time. But they also make a 9 power that uh, I've been messing around with a little bit as well. And uh, it definitely holds true what Matt says in here. It's just like whenever you back out power, you're usually getting a bigger field of view. And just backing out that power, it seems to clear things up quite a bit. Um, as you add power to your setup, no matter if it's a, a spotting scope or if it's a, um, a set of binoculars, as you add power to it, there's just more room for air as far as clarity goes and your fit behind them and all that stuff. So, 
Um, yeah, that's, I guess, optics-wise, that's pretty much what I'm using now. Like, either the Zulu 9s, if I don't want a rangefinder internally, and if I do want a rangefinder internally, um, I pick up the 10Ks. But there are a lot of uh, new optics out there now. You've got, uh, you know, Vortex is coming out with new stuff all the time. SIG is, is coming out with, uh, you know, their new line of rangefinders, those kilos, a couple pairs of rangefinder binoculars in there, and then just the regular rangefinders. Um, you've got Maven that's still coming out with stuff. Uh, you have Swarovski that's made some big changes in the last year or so with those NL Pures. Been getting some really good reviews from those. Oh gosh, who who else? There's just optics are coming a long ways, but this episode is going to give you a good idea for um, some things as Matt walks us through. So without further uh, further delay, we'll just get right into it. I was think I was thinking like maybe optics nerd. Yeah. <laughs> optics nerd is a pro- is appropriate yeah your yeah, your reviews yeah. are much more thorough than uh most of ours yeah. mine especially but we'll definitely hit on s- some of the stuff i kind of want to talk about is like the different tints in the glass like you hear um you know ryan talks about swarovski kind of having that yellow tint and zeiss having that that blue tint yeah sort of a warm and cool color bias in the, how the light's transmitted. Yeah. 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 So I was going to kind of dig dive into that a little bit. I, I used the kind of the first higher end glass that I had was Zeiss and I love those things. But as soon as I picked up Swarovski, I was like, dang. And I, I think that's because of that warmer, that warmer tint. My eyes just like that better. Yeah. I think uh, a lot of that has to do just with preference. You know, there's a different optical coding technology allows different wavelengths of light through the system so they uh will have that warm bias like Swarovski's pretty known for it but i actually think they're getting a lot more neutral they're neutral warm i think and i think zeiss is a little neutral cool but they uh you know a lot of those wavelengths will show up at different parts of the day so you can see a little better and people will be like wow i can really see under these conditions well a lot of that has to do with how that light's being transmitted through the system to your eye okay do they do that on purpose or is it just kind of a i guess sort of a byproduct of just how they 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 put their optics together oh yeah no it's totally on purpose you know there's a design intent there from the engineers like they can manipulate all those parameters and it's kind of a give a take uh in a lot of ways i've talked to some optical engineering type people and they talk about finding that balance about exactly what they want and there's all sorts of parameters so yeah they it's definitely intentional gotcha sweet so i guess what um kind of what what hunts do you have lined up this year? What optics are you going to, are you going to use for those? Do you kind of have a, a variety that you're going to switch, you know, switch things up a little bit or. Yeah. So I, I kind of change what I'm bringing sometimes depending on what I'm doing. If I'm bow hunting elk, um, I always have a spotting scope with me, but I'm not going to sit behind the spotter for, you know, hours on end, like I would on a high country mule deer hunt or something like that. So I, I grabbed that little Vortex Razor 50 millimeter spotter and I have it in my pack with a tiny little tripod all the time. And, uh, I, I'm always glad I have it at some point during the hunt, you know, to take a look at something further away. But if I'm going on a really glass intensive hunt, like this year I was pretty lucky. I drew a mountain goat tag in Montana, so I'm going to be doing a ton of glassing and, uh, I'll be taking the 
Swarovski ATX 85, which is my 90% of my spotting scope uses on that Swarovski X. I'm still finishing up a review on the BTX system. And then, um, I think that it's at its absolute best with the 95. I don't know if you have that eyepiece or not, but it's a really, uh, impressive combo when you have those together. Of course it is a monster and you need to bring a whole nother horse to carry it. But, um, what are you using for binoculars? Well, uh, now I've been mostly using the Zeiss RF, uh, that I reviewed the last fall just because it's totally a top shelf, high performance binocular, but also the range finding capabilities are impressive. And then you throw in the ballistic computation and all in one, it's the best all in one package I've used. So I've been using, I've been using them oh, most of the time and I'll still grab the Miopta's sometimes or, uh, grab that Monarch HG from Nikon occasionally when I'm just going to be doing some regular glassing type stuff. Mm -hmm. I guess with that, like, you know, somebody looking to get into a pair, you know, uh, I guess a budget pair, or I think a lot of people that are looking for the really budget pairs are like for an extra pair. When it comes to the bottom of the market for, serious hunting you can actually get in pretty pretty easy at a pretty low price point i think that uh first off i've talked about this before but they uh i would never spend so much on optics that i couldn't go hunting you know they get that question a lot about like well should i just not hunt for a couple of years and then mm -hmm. save up for top end swarovski or zeiss or leica or something like that and i i think that that's just a terrible plan because you're going to gain so much more by actually hunting and being in the field uh, that that should be your priority, especially if you're traveling west to hunt, that sort of thing. But I think that uh, that said, you've got to have at least a quality pair of binoculars or usable pair of binoculars if you're going to hunt out west. And so I think that bottom end of the market is really tough you know, cause you're just not going to get a real durable set way down in that under a hundred or around a hundred dollar price point. So the best options, if that's all somebody can do, there's some of the imported Poro Prism binoculars, like the, uh, loophole Yosemites or the Vortex Raptor. They're like around a hundred bucks. You could get like an eight by 30 or 10 by 30. I would get eight power at those levels because um it's always easier to get a better image at lower magnification and then you also what's essential if you're going to be at the low end of the market is to go with a company that's got a really great warranty because you're probably going to have to use it at some point and so like a, a company like vortex or loophole that has that you know top-notch customer service and will stand behind even their lower end uh, products are, I think that's essential. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think so too. And I think most companies do have, I mean, they, they're going to back their, their product, but at, at some point, at least the ones that, you know, are rock slide sponsor or kind of the ones that we're all using, they're going to have some kind of a, a decent, uh, warranty there for you. Yeah, I think so. I think 
those companies, like you mentioned Maven. And I do think that next step up, if you're going to get into a roof prism binocular, which I think is the best plan for hunting really is to have a nice compact roof prism binocular. Uh, so those like C ones you're talking about, I think that's a, that's a great spot to get to. If you can bump up from that lowest price point up to there, um, and then Vortex has a couple of options in there that I think would be good. But again, you got to at anywhere up to the middle of the price points, you're going to have to have a really good warranty backing that stuff up. And it doesn't, a great warranty doesn't hurt anywhere, even up to the very top. You know, it, uh, it's, it's nice to have that. And then I guess moving kind of on up, where would you say like, you know, these, these mid tier optics that we're talking about, what kind of price point are you are you gonna what what would you put on those as kind of your your price point for the mirror or for the mid mid-tier optics and then kind of what are your recommendations there yeah so i there's actually like two mid-tiers now i think like you have that 500 hundred dollar price point and that used to be mid-tier right but now anymore that's like upper entry level i guess but mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. the the ones i really like there are kind of again those usual suspects i uh the Loophole Pro Guide is a is a decent binocular, and a lot of these are being imported from the same manufacturers overseas, so there's a lot of similarities between them. But again, it's like which company are you going with on the U.S. side that's going to take care of you should something go wrong, you know? So, uh, and then Vortex, they they updated their Viper HD, and uh, that's a good solid choice there too you just don't just don't go into a five hundred dollar binocular thinking that it's going to be a two thousand dollar binocular killer you know so if if people have proper expectations they can get good solid hard hunting field use out of those binoculars and then we move up to the the thousand dollar range and i think that's where like if you can swing it and still get your hunts in like that's where you're going to get maximum value and the the market is just flooded with good options right around a thousand dollars from like 800 to 1200 dollars oh well everybody's looking for the unicorn which is like they want the the alpha beater at 400 bucks and and there's plenty of companies that'll (laughs) advertise that but it's just not reasonable and i mean it doesn't make sense like what industry is like that right so uh as long as people understand that these tiers exist, um, and that they're, they're sticking with their budget, I would never recommend somebody going to debt over buying optics, you know, but, uh, as long as you're within your budget and you keep your expectations, uh, grounded, you're going to get something that's going to help you in the field, find the animals you need to find. So I think that's the most important part is just getting the best you can but not, you know, I would never recommend somebody overdoing it on their budget. Yeah, don't no break don't break yourself, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so going from that kind of upper mid-tier and bumping up to the higher the higher tier which is I think it's, you know, companies like Swarovski, Zeiss and Leica, those have always kind of been the the top 3, would you, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I think that uh, there's some other companies out there that compete at that level, but haven't really advertised to hunters as much. Like you think Koa and, 
you know, Nikon has some really high-end stuff too that's fully competitive. But as far as like the hunting market goes, those three companies have really locked down the top end. So yeah, I I think that we if we go back to that, and it's kind of bridging the gap between the mid-level and the upper level, but that $800 to $1,200 range mm-hmm. I where people get maximum value, I think that's where your performance really the optical performance really butts up against the top end at that level. So they, uh, the hunter's getting an optic that competes with the very best, but they're saving a ton of money. But of course you're giving up somewhere, right? So a lot of the times that's like the build quality is still really good at that thousand dollar mark, but the optic or the, uh, it's not quite, the luxury build quality that those big three have and the optics, there are definitely optical differences. Like the, the super binoculars from the top three are the best. Like they just are. And you'd hope if you're spending $2,500 for a binocular that you're getting the best, but these, the thousand dollar offerings are like, they're just right there. And it takes, some dedicated study to see any differences whatsoever. All right, everybody, going to take a quick break to go through and thank our sponsors that help bring this podcast to your speakers. First up, we have Onyx Hunt Maps. Uh, Onyx is such a great tool to use in the field and at home. I would invite you to subscribe to their Onyx blog that brings you a lot of good content on how to use their app and new updates that come in. A new update recently is the tree species and habitat layer. And then on board for a long time, they've had the current and forecasted weather. So that is great as well. Don't forget to save your maps before you head into the field this summer scouting. So that is Onyx Hunt Maps. Use code ROCKCAST at checkout for 20% off. Next up, we have Black Rifle Coffee Company, uh, best damn coffee on the mountain for sure. They have the instant coffee, but if you like a little lighter roast like I do, they also make the steeping bags, uh, which is a, a little milder flavor, not quite as bold as the instant coffee. Use code ROCKSLIDE, you will get 20% off over at blackrifle.com. And then activejunkie.com, go to activejunkie.com forward slash ROCKSLIDE, take you to a landing page, you sign up. You purchase through one of the retailers or brands that they have. They've got about 1,500 of them on there. And you will get cash back. That will be cash right to your PayPal account or a cash check sent to you, which is uh, awesome. You don't have to use it. Uh, It's straight up cash back. You don't have to use it with any of their brands or retailers. They have awesome top brands and retailers. Sierra Trading Post, uh, Shields. They also have Apple, Lowe's. Sunglass Hut. They have travel ones like booking.com, hotels.com, and Expedia. And then they also have Garmin. So they have a ton more on there as well. Uh, You can go check out at activejunkie.com forward slash rockslide. And then firstslide.com. Great hunting clothing. The kings of Merino, I like to call them. They have some new lifestyle apparel out, which uh, we all love to, to rep the brands that we love wearing. And I want to remind everybody that they also make duffel bags three different sizes. They are waterproof. Uh, They have the lid falls out into a landing pad for your feet. So if you're getting dressed at the vehicle, getting ready to head out on a hunt, um, you got a, like a mat to put your feet, which is 
the small details. I love traveling with these things. Um, go check them out over at firstlight.com. Like my favorites are that the Nikon Monarch HG, which I think is awesome, really good, and has a great build too, but again, not quite up to the very top end. And then the Miopta Meostar HD still, like when you get to like that optical level and it's built like a brick, you know, um, those are, those are really, mm-hmm. really good binoculars. And then you have a couple from Maven, um, that, uh, they're putting their own take on a really great design, uh, in their B twos and the B ones that are, you're getting a ton of binocular for the money. If people can get there, the optical differences between those and the very best are going to be pretty slim. Yeah, that was kind of going to be my next question is that upper mid tier, like, what do you think, what do you think separates the difference between that upper mid tier and then the, you know, the highest, the highest end, the best? Well, that upper mid tier is really pushing the top end. So you see like this great field flattening eyepiece technology coming to the top end offerings and you're, they're really locking down the color transmission exactly the way they want it. And the build is, uh, it's like perfect. You know, you, your eel ranges has like that ultra high armoring and the eye cups are just perfect, you know? So that's what you get when you go to the very top. And then they're built for like to be heirlooms that 30 years from now you can give to Mm -hmm. somebody. So that's the difference. I think like the optics are, there are improvements. And if you go through some of my reviews, I go over those, but if you read through it, the improvements at the very top end are are relatively minor. You know, you're getting almost that performance from the mid-level, but what you're getting is that heirloom quality build. There's some prestige there. They hold the alphas hold their value so well when you go to sell them, like, and, and the price goes up over time that like people are selling their Swarovski SLCs from the nineties for the same money that they paid from back then, you know? So yeah. that's what you get with the very top end. And like, they're fun to use cause they're so nice. They are. You know? So it, as far as like binoculars go, the, the top end is really about luxury. And then there's this like, it's hard to explain. And some of the mid-level offerings have this too, but just that like that ease of use where you just pull up the binocular and you're just seeing a single image perfectly. You get the diopter set and it's just like looking out a window, right? So, so easy to look through. And, and that is kind of like an undervalued thing sometimes. Like if you do resolution testing, some of the like $400 and $500 binoculars, they can resolve detail just like the very high end a lot of time. But they, when you actually glass with them, there's something in the system that's just not quite as perfect as the top end offering. So you notice that it's just not as easy. And I'm not saying like necessarily you get a bunch of eye strain, but it's just not as easy to look through them and see what you're seeing. I think I know what you mean. Yeah, it is hard to explain, but you definitely 
it, once you look through a bunch of optics, you just get used to that really the top end of the market, just having that ease of use. You know, you set the diopter one time and I don't know, sometimes I'll set the diopter and some of the low end stuff that I've tested or used. And then like a week later, I'll have to like change it from where it was because it's just not quite right for me. So, um, I don't have that experience with the top end stuff. I guess, uh, maybe real quick, we'll just hit, um, maybe just do, we don't have to talk about it much, but just maybe give some recommendations spotting scope wise for kind of that mid tier and then the, the higher level. Yeah. I, for spotting scopes where that, in contrast to the binoculars where that upper mid level is really pushing the top end, I think there's a bigger gap for spotting scopes. I think the top end spotting scopes are just much better than the mid level and the low level spotting scopes. And, you know, I think that there's a bunch of the same uh, or similar spotting scopes getting imported by a lot of good companies and they're putting their own eyepieces on them and they're pretty similar in performance. And I think those are really good spotters, but I think that the the best spotters in the world are still from those top tier companies. And I would definitely add Koa to that list. So the the Koa Promenar spotters, the 77 and particularly the 88 millimeter, are as good or better than anything out there optically. And they're not really marketed to hunters, but they, uh, and in my review of the Koa versus this Rusty ATX, I noted that like the Koa had just a hair better, uh, aberration correction than the, even the ATX, which is awesome as you know, but it's not armor and have those kind of hunting friendly features. But, uh, that's a really great spotter. And the ATX is my favorite spotter. The, uh, the Leica, I haven't spent a ton of time behind, but I did review the Zeiss, the brand new Zeiss Harpia this year. And it's a really interesting spotter, but it's got a design flaw in my opinion, where they stop down the aperture when you're turning down the magnification. So you end up like it's essentially a 55 millimeter spotter at its lowest magnification. And you don't use the full, well, the one I had was 85 millimeter. You don't use the full 85 until the top end. So that was kind of interesting, oh. but, um, yeah, that is, uh, that is interesting. It had a super wide constant field of view. And I think that was just their design goal. I think that like daytime observers, like birders and stuff are really gonna make the most out of that spotter. But hunters, you know, you're probably like me that you're glassing to the very end of the day and you want to turn down that magnification to get a little more usable time and increase your exit pupil by turning it down and get a little brighter image. And it just doesn't work that way with that spotter. It's hard to say this, but it's like, it seems like 1500 bucks to 2000 is where the mid range ones are now, which sounds like a lot to me, but, um, so lots of really similar spotters in that group in fact they like really similar like they share a lot of technology spotters like the vortex razor and the maven and the um the loophole santium those are all super similar spotters little differences in eyepiece and maybe 
some transmission coding choice differences, but uh, they're all really good spotters, really good resolution and that sort of thing. And they're just right behind the very top end. And then again, there's one that's punching above its weight that I think that the Miata S2 spotter is right, right with the big, the big names and less for less money. And that's a really good spotter too. Yeah, I guess then I kind of wanted to hit on the the range finding binoculars too. I've been using those EL ranges for so long that I haven't uh, I haven't really looked at looked at much anything else. I know that at the time when I got those EL ranges, kind of the the runner what was running right with them was the Leicas. And then one big thing I don't like about my EL ranges is they only range down to like thirty yards. Yeah, so I think. Uh... I really think the Zeiss RFs are going to shift that market and that the competitors are going to have to come up with some pretty good improvements. I think Swarovski, their, their range finder is super accurate. The optics are pretty good in the heel range, as you know, uh, but they got the like weird bumps underneath them and they don't have any ballistic computation. So I think I would be shocked if Swarovski doesn't update those in, in the near future. And then Leica has has had ballistic computation for a while in their geovids. And they kind of did something interesting in that they use a poroprism, a kind of special kind of poroprism, which is why they, they're not exactly straight. You've seen them, I'm sure. Their optics are pretty good also. And their rangefinder is pretty reliable, and then you can do custom ballistic computation. Uh, but you have to use a micro SD card which is kind of hmm. inconvenient uh, to get your data in there. And the Zeiss RF Bluetooth to your phone, and it's like super convenient. You can just, you can put a whole bunch of profiles in there. You can switch it while you're using it to the bow mode, and it'll, it'll uh, range down to, I think it's 12 yards or 12 or 16 yards with angle compensation. Uh, and you can like change the button, the set button and the range button. You can like reassign those to the other side if you're left-handed and it's just a ton of really cool convenience features. And then it also doesn't weigh any more than a regular binocular and there's no like weird bumps underneath. So they really knocked with that one. I think that the competitors are chasing Zeiss on that, which is a good thing. And you, you know, that the other two the big three, they're not going to let that sit for very long no. so i think <laughs> i we'll can't see believe some, i think you'll see the market is going to force some innovation there and i think it's pretty exciting um what do you have next coming up for a review even even if it is an optics what do you got coming up next for rock slide uh well i'm doing a review on a rifle from mesa precision arms and that one's been going and can follow the thread online i am reviewing a rifle scope from loophole the mark five which is like a long-range capable tactical scope that's a little lighter weight than the competitors, and uh, I'm really enjoying that one. Um, and I've got uh, I've been talking to Leica about they have a rangefinder out this year, the .com that Bluetooths to your phone, kind of like the Zeiss does, and and it'll also Bluetooth to a Kestrel, so you can get like live wind information. And so I'm looking at getting a review on that also so i think we're spending a bunch of time scouting for mountain goats yeah so that's my yeah. plan in the near future cool man well thanks for um yeah thanks for hopping on talking about this stuff but 
super helpful. I, I learned a lot during it, I know. So, um, yeah, if you want to check out all of Matt's stuff, you can just hop on rockslide.com and go to the pro staff section and or just rockslide staff. And then you can, if you click on Matt's profile, it'll actually come up with um, all of the reviews that he's done and, um, you know, the optics reviews that you've done or they get pretty in depth, a lot more in depth than really any others that I've ever seen. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll take that as a compliment, <laughs> hopefully. It is. It is. It is. All right. Thanks, Matt. All right. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks, Jordan.